Blazing down both barrels at ultraviolet maximum, searing through the servo skull of propaganda. We are the last bolt of rebellion, 665.66UHMR Camrat Radio, broadcasting live tonight from the toenail. Gabo, can you tell me why it is that we're always finding ourselves so close to the sump when the forum emperors are coming and knocking? At least the devil's comet, Amsec, is glacier cold, and it looks like we won't ever run out of fungi bruise. Boston, I was just a... Uh... Target-rich environment? Always smelling like an unhealthy combination of burnt ozone and melted iron, I am your plasma fiend, Goblin King, joined today by my co-host, who has a penchant for double-fisting oversized hand cannons, the blasta of misfit Ali himself, Marky. It's like shooting sump fish in a barrel. <laughs> Is that what in they sump, call it? In a sump barrel? <laughs> it's in a, yeah, if you just put sump in front of the word, it makes it more ivy, right? It's like shooting put- <laughs> sump fish in a sump barrel. <laughs> Except <laughs> <it> more ivy, <laughs> and always providing the soothing sizzle pop of hot shot les based carnage. It's our crack shot, Kev. I believe that is sizzle pop. Sizzle, sizzle, <laughs> sizzling, sizzle. <laughs> What's up, guys? A couple of episodes ago, when I I did the episode with Emmy, and we talked about the minor Xenos faction, or we did that Xenos faction template episode and we did zotes we were brainstorming back and forth like how to do the intro and we came up with like twisted metal mad max but on the ice um nice as like another sport that the hive engages in and as i was editing the episode like a couple of hours ago because um you know that's that's just what's going on right now as we're getting everything prepped i'm surprised we had never brought that up before that sounds exactly like something we would have come up with that all of us years ago and the funny thing is like i think we can turn it into a game not that we finished murder ball but i think we can turn it into a game oh we totally could it would be uh it would be like (laughs) gaslands yeah but uh emmy suggested gaslands but with 32 or uh 28 millimeter vehicles so like oh you, yeah using the orc like sized cars like the scrap jet and all of that as the base and like okay. essentially instead of doing like three or four cars on your team you're just racing one car yeah you just get one car and, and they then, go to walgreens uh, they got all those little cars there they're oh close that's to right mil. oh that'd and, be dope uh, dude that's a really good idea marky <laughs> yeah. but bec- because it's on ice you have to like we have to factor in slippage into the rules. Yeah, slippage? yeah. Leakage. I gotta like I, now, like every turn is a drift essentially. I really need to sit down and figure out some form of murder ball. <laughs> well, I think I think it's every turn has a drift unless you have like spikes or if you're on yeah, ice there, blades or something. There will be ways ways to mitigate that to change the way your car handles. Yeah. That'll be that'd be cool. So like you could end up with uh, even like something like a snowmobile, like with ice blades in the front and tracks in the back, something like crazy. Yeah, yeah it, it'll uh, it'd be fun. But yeah, yeah anyway, it'd be fun. I just I, I was like we didn't really talk about it that much. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll start for those of you listeners who are interested in where all of these rules that we come up with and post are. Uh, Patreon. Check us out on Patreon at www.underthehiveofmadness slash... Wait. www.patreon.com slash underthehiveofmadness. That's how that works. Yeah. Winner gets to smash the loser's car. <laughs> that oh. Definitely go to Walgreens when you do that. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't use GW product. So there's a game called Tonks, which 
uh, is a like free game system of tank combat or tonk combat. Yeah. But the legacy rules for it, there is like your ta- your tracks were blown off. Rip your tracks off. Your tank is no longer playable. It's now a piece of terrain in like the legacy oh, that's or whatever. Dope. And the the last one, like the worst role that you can get, is literally smash your tank. (laughs) 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 But again, like the entire point of Tonks is, I think it's supposed to be ten millimeter scale. But I mean, the rules are it's a really cool rule set. Uh, It's out there for free. Google search Tonks uh, or YouTube search Tonks. I think Bill Making Stuff did a video on it, and I think not Wylock. Maybe black magic craft. Somebody, a, a couple of the like big YouTube crafters did little episodes where they made tonks. But um, yeah, you you basically make your own little tank. You get a free rule set. Go out and scratch build your own little tank, and then play with your friends. It it sounds really fun. It it definitely it's like one of those like afternoon. Fuck it, we want to play a minis game, but we don't know what we want to play. Idea, and I think that's kind of like whatever this glacial ice gauntlet becomes. As to where the murder ball we're putting a lot of rules into and like trying to figure out how to make it balanced. I think whatever this is will definitely be that like, here's the five or six page rule book. Go have fun with (laughs) dollar store toys. (laughs) Go go buy a six pack and a and a pack of dollar store of six pack of beer to six pack of minis (laughs) and go (laughs) Go have an afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, you turn it into a what was that one show called, Ryan? I think it was Battlebots. Battlebots. It's still out. They are, they're still ma- they film it in uh, Orange County. They film it at the Honda Center. I thought they did it in like. Oh, crazy. Uh, I, thought I thought they moved they around the Europe country. Maybe they or something. Used, maybe they did they, used to move around the country. They have a bunch of places like where they do smaller tournaments, like yeah. qualifiers. But BattleBots is like the big main one now, and yeah. it's uh, and the, yeah, they film it at like the Honda Center. Oh shit! Yeah, you guys want a dose of kind of sad. Right before we jump into the episode, I um I almost oh, like I, I was we were recording. Oh, we are. We are. <laughs> I, thought... I was days away from meeting Grant Imahara when he passed away. Oh, and like I, I, you know, being what I do for work and the fact that I'm into engineering and material science and crafting and building, like I that would have really, been a cool opportunity. Yeah, I was really looking forward to meeting him and. It's very sad. I, I every once in a while I think about the fact that like like he comes up or something about Mythbusters comes up and I'm like, oh man, like I almost got to meet those guys and then it always sucks when somebody that like you kind of look up to passes away. Yeah. Anyway. Welcome to episode 83, Space Marines and Popular Culture. This is the follow-up to our last episode where Chalk and I talked about the science fiction novels, Starship Troopers, and Armor. Just as we mentioned in that episode, Space Marines and the concept of warriors and power armor suits has become a staple to most of the modern landscape of science fiction, allowing us to frame the concept of intergalactic conflict into something grounded in real. Just as Star Wars used the aerial combat dogfights of World War II to frame the action of the Rebellion versus the Empire, and this even extended to the design of the blasters, often the weapons carried by the stormtroopers and the rebel troopers relying heavily on World War II technology and war movie props from that era and generation. An establishment of foundation allows us, the audience, to enjoy the content that we're viewing 
without sitting through hours of exhaustive exposition, especially in movies and television shows, a relatively common tactic to use as to where when you read a science fiction novel, you'll get a little bit more exposition and there might be like crazy ass technology that's being explained. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're like watching a television show or a movie and it's supposed to be action based, you don't want a four hour explanation of how long-range missile systems work you get the like 30 seconds of the nerd showing it off before the grunt goes i don't need to know how it works i just need to know how it kills things <laughs> right but <laughs> even show me that, which like, button i gotta push <laughs> yeah there which you button go. makes things die <laughs> <laughs> the way that space marines fight things doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense when you think about technological and especially military technological advancement. To go back to Star Wars, to pick on Star Wars for a minute, X-Wings and TIE Fighters are dogfighting. They're turning tight corners on each other and all of that. And and we identify with that as being interesting to see and all that because of dogfighting in World War II and the the pilot culture, the ace pilot culture that kind of exists as a foundational background. But the truth of modern aerial combat is that I think Maverick says it in the first Top Gun film. You never uh, get there. Yeah, you're firing missiles at targets you don't see. So as a as a modern flight sim player with very, like the flight sim I play is hardcore sticks to realism as, as one-to-one you can get. Like there are missiles that we used to fire off in the 90s that had a 90-mile range. <laughs> Jesus. 90 <laughs> miles. You don't even need to know. You don't even need to be in the same zip code. I'm not even in the same time zone. Like, and all it takes is you have an AWACS, you know, the big radar plane, which right. that thing's got a, a like what 200 mile range on the thing. It's it's dumb how long how far that thing can see, and since it's up in the air, it can see everything. That isn't, you know, Just, on the ground. There's and no so, line of sight rules there. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing to block the line of sight. And so you're screwed. And like until you get to stealth. So the only reason that Jokes anybody on you, can ever hide in the clouds, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it sees through the clouds. It's not possible. It sees right through the clouds. Not possible. He mentioned doesn't stealth. matter. He mentioned doesn't, stealth, and I, I know that he means like a whole class of airplanes, but my brain immediately jumped went to, to the, the movie. 2007 <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Beale <laughs> platform then, stealth. Uh, and like, I was thinking and, like and 1997 Street Fighter stealth boat. You guys remember that? <laughs> oh my God, Mark, really? But, uh, <laughs> and, and so stealth, stealth allows you to get back to dogfighting. Yeah, but even at that point, I mean, you're not at the speed that most stealth airplanes move at. Stealth airplanes are subsonic because the materials required to maintain a fifth-gen stealth aircraft break down at the temperatures over supersonic speeds. Right, but... So an com- F-35 compared, doesn't actually fly supersonic. Compared to a P-51, <laughs> there's, well, there's right, definitely right. A, right. an airspeed change. <laughs> yes, yes, but... But I'm talking comparatively through, like, yeah. you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and all the way into fifth gen fighter aircraft. You know, you're talking pre pre gen one and early gen one. I, but no, like, I'm, but I'm then you get into Starscream going through the buildings <laughs> and then turning into a robot and shooting the jets behind him, and then turning into a jet again before he falls. <laughs> So what's stopping people from get a, getting a really strong magnet and bringing these airplanes down? Tell me. What's the science behind that, Kevin? Because 
they, they don't weigh anything. There's not enough metal to to do that far. Okay, I've so seen because, I've seen X Men, dude. My, I've seen Magneto pull iron out of a man's asshole. You know, you want to know how powerful <laughs> Magneto is, like comparatively, oh Magneto has more power than like the entire magnetic field of a planet. Like, dude is breaking the laws of every physics thing ever. It's and a, it's dope. It's dope. Don't get me wrong. Magneto's a fucking <laughs> boss. But, like, the level of power that he has, like, at the at the high end is, like, just so astronomically absurd how much physical, mag- like, magnetic force he's exerting on things. Can't be fun. So Marky, Marky brought this up. So because Marky brought this up, I've got a related story. So the very first time I DM'd ever, my entire career... As a nerd, the very first time I was a dungeon master for a group of D&D players, one of the guys bought 2,000 pieces of chalk because he had enough money to buy 2,000 pieces of chalk, and then he used them to build an airship. And I was like, you can't do that. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Chalk weighs nothing in (laughs) D&D. I was like... Fuck that, that bastard! <laughs> like that bastard! Like now I have to think of a reason why this doesn't work. But what the seriously? What you know the fuck? why? You know what? You know what you do as a DM? It's raining. I was just about to say that, Danny. <laughs> it's, it's raining. It's yeah. raining. It's All no your more chalk washes away. You were left with nothing. <laughs> All your chalk well, washes totally. away mid-flight. You die. Rip that's up the totally, character sheet and roll another one. That's Does totally the question. Slow fall. <laughs> That's yeah. totally the question you just asked, though, Mark. You were like, what if we got all the magnets and put them underneath the airplanes? <laughs> like, like, the, it's the it's, same level of logic, dude. It's not. And most of the stuff that planes are made out of isn't magnetic. It's like it's a lot of aluminum, which is not really magnetic. And and once you're going, uh, well, once you heat up metal to a certain degree, you can change oh, yeah. its ferrous level. I forgot, level I anyway. forgot about that. Yeah, the, the ferromagnetic yeah. Uh, point where once you heat up a metal, it it. It either stops being it, magnetic. It stops, and I think if you keep going, it reverses or something, or it reverses and then it stops. I don't remember, but eventually, yeah, it does. It does that. Yeah, you so, can. So you hear can me fuck up the crystallization. Let's say you build a, a, an extremely large invisible wall out of chalk that, that they just fly into, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, you know Stephen what that's King called? Wrote a, Flack. Stephen King wrote a book about that called "Under the Dome." Yeah, the dome. I yeah, see. It's never dome, an original right. thought. Was the TV show called (laughs) Under the Dome? I think the TV show is Under the Dome. But yeah, there's a sequence in the television show, Marky, where an airplane flies into the dome. And it just crumples. Because they they can't see it. Like, no one can see it. So the pilot just fucking hits it because he doesn't know it's there. Perfect. Uh, It's it's pretty insane. Maybe it's a helicopter. Something crashes into the dome. I think it's a plane. But it's like a Cessna. It's not like a Yeah, it's it's like a private plane. Um, Yeah. Because I was, I was like, if it was a bigger plane, I'm pretty sure the storm search radar would have seen that, and they would have been like, "Hmm, that's weird." <laughs> well, and I think that does happen. Like, like a couple of oh, little okay. things hit it, and then they they make a call out and like redirect air traffic around it. Uh, yeah, and the air traffic is like, "Oh yeah, that's that's definitely bad." The, the book deals a lot more with like the town inside falling apart, but it's a crazy ass book. Yeah. Anyway. Speaking of books, Marky, I started listening to that book you told me to listen to. You like it? Yeah, I like it so far. It's pretty good. It's interesting for sure. I actually read a book, um, also speaking of books, uh, quite some time ago, but I can see it sitting on my shelf to my right conveniently right now. Um, that is very, very heavily involved with Space Marines in its lore. It's not Warhammer, though. What book? It is um, this one. 
I don't remember the name of the entire series, but it's by John Ringo and it's called Gust Front. Okay. Interesting. Um, Gust Front. Yeah. And so it's it's tied in. Do you know what bolos are? I'm sure uh, some of like our the listeners. thing that you wear or like, no, like the, the, when you put a call out so everybody pays attention to yeah, look up. No. Okay. So in sci-fi, there's the, the bolo tank. Uh, it's like a series of books written by a whole bunch of authors. Um, they're these like giant super tanks. They're like Bane blades. It's like a bunch of uh, like different people's take on a Bane blade. Um, okay, yeah, that's the book right there. But that's their their space marine on the front of it, or one of the interpretations of it. <laughs> it's really cheesy graphics, but the idea um, it's kind of interesting. So what it is is humans hadn't invented super crazy technology yet, but are contacted by aliens who suck at war. To help them in an intergalactic war against the lizard people. <laughs> so humans turn out to be really good at war. And uh and yeah, there's the bolos. So there was a game back in the day called Bolo. Yeah. It was so a, it was a top-down tank game. So that's this is the bolo. So it's all kind of relate it's all in like an overlapping universe. Interesting. So the humans have bolos, but also the space marines. This- this game oh that's crazy i wonder if that's where the like term came from so this it, it must be oh, come on it has to be yeah so bolo was you're you're that you're that little tiny gray tank and you just drive around and you can and you like just sh- mess things up yeah yeah it was super fun i love that game yeah so um and yeah obviously you can see all the artwork there sorry people who are listening but we're, we're definitely looking at some crazy things and uh, yeah, they're they're nonsense, crazy, huge sometimes. But uh, the space marine part was actually really cool, and they had some really interesting technology and weapons and tactics and stuff that they employ. Huh. I'm gonna have to look up this Bolo tanks thing. This is not a it, it, being as into like old retro sci-fi stuff, sci-fi shit that I am, and I don't know this concept. This apparently like this shared universe concept is interesting, but it's interesting because space marines are definitely a shared oh yeah concept. The shared concept and it's the these ones aren't genetically modified these are much more on the like terran marine level of gotcha. technology and uh but they do have some crazy interesting like random tactics like at one point they're like hmm and it's actually um i was talking to a friend of mine and it's a tactic i'm pretty sure horus used it at one point a similar tactic did the mind projection to like make an entire battlefield run away. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they do is they have camouflage holographic projectors in their armor and okay. they, instead of camouflaging themselves, turn their battle line into a dragon <laughs> 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 with multiple heads being where the space Marines are so okay. that their shooting is the coming out of their mouths. Right. Right. And since they're yeah, fighting psychological against, warfare right and since they're fighting against like, lizard people where only like the the leader cast has any like real intelligence like they're like oh giant lizard god murdering us <laughs> yeah no <laughs> no it, whatever pretty cool whatever works right i mean it, it only worked the one time but it's cool to see like interesting tactics applied to different universe space marines where i'm so you know we're also used to the very standard space marine or warhammer space marines as well yeah so speaking of the novel starship troopers established the blueprint of a heavily powered armored soldier a thread that can be traced into popular culture that followed in its wake highland himself even took some of his own story elements when he consulted on the design that helped pitch nasa what modern spacesuits look like so 
There Wait, is a really? reason. Oh yeah, Heinlein was involved with that process. That's crazy. It's easy to understand our fascination with the concept as something about power armor conjures up a romantic image of courtly knights mixed with the futuristic concepts of exploring the void of space. From the Japanese anime interpretation of the book Starship Troopers itself, which was released in 1988, to Marcus Phoenix of Gears of War, the idea of space marines cannot truly be claimed by any single universe. It can be said that Heinlein's book laid out the blueprint and Games Workshop built the iconic look, as nothing is as powerful or cemented in pop culture as the hulking form of the Astartes warrior, with chainsword and bolt pistol in hand. And I actually have some pretty good arguments as to why it is the Space Marine image that we get from Games Workshop, but Heinlein's description of Space Marines from Starship Troopers that built the entire look. And I, I guess it's not really that deep of an argument. Just look at Space Marines from any other any other novel or any other thing. They pretty much all kind of look like Terran. Uh, they all kind of look like Astardes Warriors. Although um, there's the only... Terran Marines being the closest... To me, there is a reason. I mean, there's only so many forms that a armor can take before it stops being like, yeah, before it stops having, the, you know, a an, an classic aesthetic until yeah. you start getting into crazy weird shapes or, you know, super form fitting, which they've in as an art style leave for Xenos. Well, and the reason that the one of the core descriptors that Heinlein uses in the book Starship Troopers is that the armor fits the wearer like a second skin, and it's actually a brain impulse command that powers allows them to power the thousand pound suit. So, like realistically, if you look at the description of the mobile infantry's armor, and then you look at the way that the Space Marines in Warhammer 40k are designed. It's very easy to see that that's the inspiration. Oh yeah, it, it's were, cool. It's definitely cool stuff. Were the Starship Troopers, quote unquote, Space Marines, like some of the first iterations of like a Space Marine, or like first ideas of that being a thing? Uh, Heinlein's book was the first. Heinlein's book is what leads us to the modern concept of a Space Marine. However, the first use of the term Space Marine came from a 1938 Amazing Stories short story. And I think it was like, uh, it's in the last episode. It's like Captain Bob and the Space Marines. But uh, at that point, Space Marines are a little bit more like bubble helmeted versions of Marines, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're the very not, like yeah. 50s. Yes, like oh, Not like super soldier. I mean, it's even like before 20, that. It's twenties, thirties yeah. pulp action. The super right. soldier um, part Gordon of it. Me. Yeah, the super soldier part of it. The genetically altered super soldier in thousand pound second skin powered armor. The, the get comes some from <laughs> Heinlein's book, Starship Troopers. Right, because mm. I think we needed that as a culture to go through the eighties, like extra explosion-y stage before we could get to this kind of Marine. Yeah, he was definitely, I mean, Heinlein wrote in, it was 1959 when the book came out, so he was writing in reaction to oh, the beginning earlier. of yeah. the Cold War. So okay. there's a, the book is very, very political. I forget it's so early. Yeah, there's actually only, um, I, you guys might be surprised, being that you're both big Starship troopers fans like me uh there's actually only two battles in the entire book yeah it's all it's mostly about training 
Yeah, most Almost of the all book of is him remembering going through training and like thinking about political, like existential political questions about what it means to be human and dedicate your life to service. It is very much a like join the military, boys. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, not quite, but it it it's it's up there. Heinlein was pretty pro military. The book's pretty pro military. It's funny because uh, some people think it's not. And some people think it is, and it's like I, it's both simultaneously. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people's interpretation of the book comes from I read the book like in high school, but I've seen the movie thirty times. Oh, uh, so they they're not yeah. really remembering the book. I I finished reading the book just a couple of days before we we recorded last week's episode. So like even now it's relatively fresh in my mind. The yeah. uh, it, it's very obvious to tell that that Heinlein is Heinlein is very pro military. I remember pro discipline. Personally is like pro he's like a very uh what is it libertarian? Yeah, he's very libertarian. Yeah. Um, is it a is it a dry read? Yes. The book is not exciting. Uh, <laughs> the the beginning of it is pretty cool cuz it talks about the suits, the steel gorilla as they call the suit. Right. Uh, and it gets into the war a little bit. Of, there's a battle that they fight against the skinnies. And then the next like 20% of it is interesting. It's very full metal jackety cause it's very like, this is training. Um, but then it gets, it gets really boring. And then it ends with another battle, very different from the movie, which is essentially just a 19, a, a, a late eighties, early nineties, action movie i know that it came out in like mid to late 90s but it very much has that like early 90s schwarzenegger sylvester stallone oh yeah (laughs) it's fantastic for it though it is it definitely is so space marines are depicted as highly trained genetically or technologically enhanced and heavily armored soldiers fighting in futuristic settings appearing across various forms of media including movies video games literature and comic books we're going to take a dive into some of the more famous or in some cases infamous examples right up top. We're going to address the elephant in the room and talk about Warhammer 40,000. This is probably the most iconic representation of space Marines in modern culture. There is a wide array of chapters such as the ultramarines all the way through to the space wolves that engage in battles against various alien races and even the fallen space Marines that make up the core of chaos. The 40K universe, aside from being the main topic of our podcast, has a very expanded universe that goes into novels, video games, and other media, which is probably one of the things that makes it one of the most recognizable versions of Space Marines in a super recognizable universe. That and Star Wars don't have no Space Marines. Well, technically, <laughs> the Stormtroopers would be a type of Space Marine. But they they fulfill the naval boarding party role. Yeah, yes. they they're just not in environmentally sealed suits, and they're not genetically modified, and they're not. I mean, however, if you go expanded universe, the dark troopers before the Disney retcon were genetically. Yeah, I, and I, there actually is a really good. There's a lot of good arguments to make to the fact that stormtroopers should be part of the Space Marine um, role roundup as far as popular media goes, but. Uh, we chose not to cover them in this episode because um, we'll piss Patrick off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> because we're, we we definitely, there's definitely a Star Wars versus Warhammer episode somewhere in our future. 
and we will definitely get into stormtroopers a little bit more or or even maybe just a little maybe a little side jaunt a side quest if you will where we'll just talk about star wars lore for an episode and and look at some of the similarities the next one would be the Terran Marine from StarCraft. This is a real-time strategy video game by Blizzard Entertainment, and it includes a faction known as the Terrans, who deploy Marines equipped with power armor, combat suits, and advanced weaponry. The Terran Marines play a significant role in the game's story and are widely known for their memorable quotes and gameplay mechanics. Probably important to mention that these Space Marines are actually heavily inspired by 40K Space Marines. I think we talked about it in our... 40k in video games episode um blizzard was making a love note to games workshop and then told games workshop and games workshop almost greenlit it to be a warhammer 40k game but at the last minute decided not to and that's how we got starcraft as and that's being, how we got terran marines instead of yeah. space marines <laughs> yeah but you can look like a lot of design choices between the protoss the zerg and the terrans in starcraft are very easily identifiable as being the space marines the tyranids and the eldari and the fact a- that it even continued into starcraft 2 when they showed you the interiors of some of the spaces yeah in the yeah. cinematics their architecture is high gothic. Yeah, high space gothic <laughs> definitely. I mean, it's a theme that mold, yeah. it's not. It's not that it solely belongs to Warhammer, but it's it when was they definitely cont- birthed by Warhammer. It was one of the ones. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a Warhammer is the main culprit of it. Absolutely, and Do probably you- the sole one for a long time. But it was just it was an interesting choice to see that when they finally came out with the interior spaces that you had never seen before, that they like they clung to that. Even then, but however, their fashion is different. Their their fleet guys are all wearing very, you know, Napoleonic almost looking uh, outfits. But all the like Marine guys and those guys, it's all very much more like Catachani. Like they're all wearing uh, space Vietnam, space <laughs> Vietnam clothes because they're all supposed to be like rednecks on the frontier and stuff. Yeah, what were you, Do you ask, think Marky? that uh, Starcraft would have been as popular? I guess if it. If GW had accepted 100%. Like the proposal, Abs- do you think absolutely. StarCraft still would have been successful, or as uh, successful as it was? I think what would have happened if GW had accepted the proposal is that the explosion in popularity that, we've see- that we saw in Warhammer 40K now, now. in like the 2020s would have happened in the 1990s. Yeah. Mm. That, because, and that would have been Starcraft, such a perfect time to come out with the Tau and everything, too. StarCraft... 100 percent dominated probably yeah Yeah. it's probably one of the best game mechanic sets that exist for esports and that's why so many popular esports are still using mechanics that were introduced in starcraft yeah the the primary secondary expansion concepts of bases all that like map design and everything starcraft 2 to this day still has the best rts tournament scene and i've i've paid a paid attention to a lot of them and no none of them can hold up because the and it's 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 a testament to the team who designed it the units are for the most part balanced and they you know they patch that the uh but the map is what's really the map choices are so well made that it actually makes the game enjoyable to play on tournament scale as well and portions of that have gone over into the MOBA scene 
which is probably the second highest. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. Also Blizzard's fault because they had Warcraft, which turned into MOBAs with yeah. map editor. <laughs> yeah. Defense of the Ancients, Dota, the original MOBA was a mod. Yep. Map, or map pack mod for Warcraft 3. Yep. But like the troop movements and the way that you select things and the fact that you've got different abilities that are keyed, all the, of uh, that. Even the HUD. The HUD being a, of, a bar yeah. across the bottom, you have the box of like unit actions on one side, you have all the units in your selection grid selected in the middle, and then you yeah. have a mini map on the other end. That formula <laughs> is copied by almost every other RTS. The only ones who didn't stick to that formula and now they're dead because EA doesn't know what to do with studios after buying them. Rip Westwood. Um, but Command & Conquer. Command & yeah. Conquer was the one of the only other ones to try anything else, and theirs was a right bar. And even then, they got bought by EA, and then immediately got taken off the right side and slapped to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Command & Conquer and uh, its predecessor dune 2000 are still some of my favorite rts oh yeah games, i forgot yeah. westwood made dune 2000 and that game yep. that game was award-winning for the short time that it was in the limelight well i mean that that was like 1992 i mean it was in the limelight for a while i i remember competitively playing it in like 96 97 really oh, well uh, i guess because it was turn-based so and in old. the turn-based uh turn-based market was there wasn't much there dune 2000 was rts it was oh, the was first it? true rts game Oh, okay. I thought it was turn-based for some reason. How popular was Red Alert compared to like some of the games that you guys just talked about? Red um, Alert uh, was well, great, but Red not Al as much as Generals. Generals was the Command & Conquer that yeah. took off, but that's also because Generals was the first one with a decent internet connection. Like, But also, but, but ultimately, to answer, I think, the question that you might be driving at, I pennies in consideration to starcraft yeah oh really the, the market yeah. share of just command and conquer versus starcraft it's like probably 80 percent starcraft uh, starcraft now, is the reason was... we have esports i mean at right. the end of the day oh, the original StarCraft's game is the reason we have esports that's crazy because you, you could almost like say it's the it was the bitcoin of of its time right it kind of was because it, it just blew up in an unpronounced like it, it blew up in an unprecedented way that, that starcraft yeah, is like one of those saw. things where like somebody went like it's you know tinfoil hat time starcraft is one of those things where somebody went back in time with that fucking idea and was like yeah. i'm gonna fucking get this one yeah yeah <laughs> and they, they they knew exactly when to when to put it out it came out at the perfect turn of the technology where they're like the availability of a computer that could play the game was widespread enough right you know and like that's like, people are always amazed at, like, Call of Duty selling so many millions more than it did last year. Well, also, how many more million consoles are out there? You know? Like, you have to think of it that way. So, when StarCraft came out, less people had gaming PCs. Yet, almost every PC person who, like, played games had StarCraft. Yeah. 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 Star like, StarCraft was such a staple game. Massive. It was like a minesweeper. Yeah, it was More Doom. It, exactly. It's like everybody had Doom, everybody had StarCraft, everybody had Counter-Strike. <laughs> Minesweeper, I love that. <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, things that StarCraft definitely has in common with the normal Space Marine trope is power armor. They wear uh, advanced suits of power armor, exoskeletons that are built around it. They're also armed with the standardized C-14 Impaler Gauss Rifle. So Which standardized weapon. 
which is like a massive bolter. Uh, it's biological... a non-explosive though. It is yeah, a, yep. it's a, it's a it's sabot. A... It's essentially a, a little handheld rail gun. Yeah. Yeah. They're dope. <laughs> But they're uh, not they're not a railgun, but it shoots out a little spike. It's pretty gnarly. Biological enhancements. Space Marines undergo genetic modification and extensive training to become formidable super soldiers. So they do go through enhancement. It's just not the same as 40K. It's more like, um, it seems like it's more like roids than it is full-blown I think uh, it's, it's I think it's, it's to integrate with their suit mainly, I want to say. It's cybernetic, it's under skin cybernetic enhancement is part of it. Yeah, it that's makes, part it of makes it them too. faster, stronger, and more resilient. Like even out of their suits, a... they can take a bullet. Also, um a lot of Terran space marines are prisoners. Yeah. The and addic- marines. addicted to stims. And, and they're addicted to, to stims. Say, hey, yep. stim up. That's, uh, ah, that's the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love stimming them up. <laughs> that's why you always keep the slutty medic behind them. That's right. Uh, Turn uh, your head and cough. <laughs> medic you- reporting for duty. <laughs> yeah, they were useful, though. Gotta keep so, your Marines alive. Space Marines serve as a frontline infantry for the Terran forces. They're versatile, adaptable, and excel in both ground and space-based combat. The Terran military has dedicated Marine Corps division where space Marines are the backbone. They are deployed in various roles, including planetary assault-based defense and boarding enemy ships. So in this case, the reason that they are Terran Marines is because they are an extension of the Marine Corps as far as the idea of the United States Marine Corps goes. Uh, They are also psi-indoctrinated meaning that they undergo a form of psionic indoctrination, allowing them to combat enemy psionic threats more effectively. So in this particular case, the Protoss, who we've mentioned in the past, have that little Eldari flare where they use psionics to do different things, like convince you to blow your own head off. And the <laughs> or Terran... steal all your builders and then build all three races. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and the Terran Marines are specifically kind of like indoctrinated not to deal with it. I like the... Uh the path they went almost like a more rugged version of of humans where it's uh like their suits are are like nuke proof essentially right like they drop yeah. nukes and like their little visor comes down and they i mean obviously if you're too close but uh, no, right right you have to be killed a lot you have to be the right you have to be the right distance away uh that that sweet spot well Goldie, yeah. goldilocks area yeah. but uh like it's definitely a more rugged version I would think. Uh, well, that's not true. It's 40k is probably I was more about to rugged. Say, Space Marines nuke the battlefield. They just generally they do it in different ways, though. Yeah, I would the, say the thing. The thing the is, 40k is... galaxy or universe has kind of moved away from the idea of just plain old nuclear weapons. Like nuclear right. weapons aren't enough. Yeah, the because, warp well, is essentially and, like their their nuke, right? It's it's well, I, I think easier even exterminatus. Well, Exterminatus yeah. uses bigger than nuclear weapons. Virus, virus but, bombs are worse than nukes. <laughs> but, and the, the nuclear weapon has so many downsides. Yes, it's destructive. Yes, you can just strap it to anything and fire it wherever you want to blow things up. However, if that happens to be a hive city, that hive city is not of use to you anymore. And as the Imperium, you kind of want to keep things like that intact. Yeah. Because if you just level your manufactorums, then so you're, you're talking have more re- like that. That's where the virus bombing would happen, or something like that. Is well, what you're that, saying? it's where biological weapons come into play and things so like that. So a virus, a virus bomb actually basically it's turns everything, everything into death. 
<laughs> yeah, anything biological into a, an explosive. It turns it into, into napalm and then lights it on fire. Yeah, so you destroy everything when so you everything virus dies. bomb a planet. Everything dies when you virus it, bomb it. And it becomes a nice rounded marble. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the yeah. reason they don't use nu- nuclear weapons, I mean, and I, a lot of it is like there's the vortex cannon, and, and like they, there's they do nuclear weapons. Like, uh, yeah. what is it? Armageddon uh, or Hades Hive gets nuked in Hell's Reach. The orcs yeah. literally nuke it. Well, there's a, and there's an entire squad in 30k. I can't remember what they're called, but they're 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 not devastators or erratic. They've got a name like that, but they're 30k troops, and they were basically the ones that were sent down to planets oh, yeah. that were being belligerent. And their entire goal was to just nuke. Like they had mini nuke grenade launchers. They had mini nuke grenades, and they would just do nuclear unrestricted nuclear warfare to the planet and then leave. And they were they were so dirty. That sorry, even, not sorry. <laughs> even other space marines were uncomfortable by it, about these guys. So it's not that 40k doesn't use nukes; it's just that 40k has much worse weapons. <laughs> yeah, they, I'm they wondering have if worse weapons that are like more destructive but better aimed, but cleaner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cleaner. Ner- I'm wondering if like the the games <laughs> is what restricted StarCraft to like the smaller, because like if you really look at StarCraft, a lot like. I feel like 70% of it are all like ballistic weapons, right? Or like in where 40k there's like there's a lot of thermal weapons, there's warp weapons, there's uh you know obviously you know flamer and it, all of that stuff where like StarCraft a lot of it is ballistic weapons, lasers, flamers and nukes. That's that's about it, I feel, right? I think StarCraft yeah. from a design perspective really really wanted to hammer out the differences of the three races. Yeah. All the energy weapons belong to the Protoss. The Protoss, right, yeah. Right. All the biological, biological weapons yep. belong to the Zerg. All the Bang Bang belongs to the humans. Yeah, the Murakai. And, and it's also, it's almost like oh, that, a... That's the other thing, that the Terrans were very much based on an very, idea. Oh, man. If a romanticized watch, idea of the United States military. It is a very, very, like, it's almost like a propaganda film for, for like, the dream, like, 80s Marine Corps vision. <laughs> it is, yeah. and it's, like, no joke, they ride around in pickup trucks listening to country music. Yep. Yep. Like, in the cinematics. <laughs> and, like, it's so funny. At one point, they, like, they run over a Zergling, and they're like, shit, I think you hit some feller's dog. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's very, yeah. Turns out it was a Zergling, and he had hydralisks. Waiting in the shadows, <laughs> so these guys didn't survive. But yeah, it's very, very murka, and it yeah, also I... the the slight rounding down of technology kind of helps the you know like quote unquote believability factor a little bit. Yeah, it's 100%. not as outrageous. It's very believable that humans could get to that technology level, and it yeah. looks very human in origin. Yes, like their, their artistic design matches with the mentality of the people very much. It's a good. It's it's a. Uh, it's a very plausible leap from the lore to the aesthetics to the functionality. Yeah, it almost reminds me a lot of uh, what's the one show? Is I think it's Love, Death, and Robots. Is that what it is? Yeah. Do you yeah. remember the episode with the, the rednecks ship. that have battle bots? Oh yeah, the the uh, with the battle bots. Or are you talking to the the one that the biodome against all the, the Tyranid things? No, no, no. This one was like uh, that one was cool too. You're talking uh, about the one where they're like farmers. Yeah, they're farmers, and they have yeah, like it's, that's a, a cool it's episode. Essentially, they, have imperial knights, right? Yeah, yeah. They've got <laughs> oh, like yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. that big, but 
Yeah. yeah, they've got they've got like battle tech sized mechs on their farm to go like go protect against the alien yeah. things. The aliens, yeah, that was cool. So speaking of the aliens, next the up aliens. we're gonna talk about aliens. In the alien film franchise, Space Marines are portrayed as a group of heavily armed and trained soldiers tasked with investigating and combating the xenomorph threat. In the nineteen eighty six film Aliens, directed by James Cameron, there is a prominently featured squad of colonial marines led by Corporal Dwayne Hicks. Of course, the concept of colonial marines has been extended out into video games and comics. Uh, in this case, they are an elite military force. The colonial marines are portrayed as an elite and highly trained military unit equipped with advanced weaponry and technology. However, that does not extend to armor. They're basically wearing portable. I mean, it's probably not plastic and steel. Like it's probably better. It's it's space steel and space plastic. But they're essentially just wearing. <laughs> I mean, armor I, plates, combat I would, armor plates. I would wager that it is in in lore. Without looking it up, I would wager that it is resistant. It is. It is. Proof whatever sidearms are, are yep. is, is guaranteed to stop whatever sidearms and shrapnel come their way, and probably rifle rated at a distance. Yeah, it's just not environmentally sealed, but, and- right? And that's the one thing that I noticed. I was like, how? I guess it, instead of calling them space marines, they call them colonial marines to imply that they're deployed to surfaces of planets, not used to fight in vacuum. Yeah. So they, they are primarily a xenomorph or xenoform response team. Their primary role is to respond to situations involving xenoforms, a dangerous and hostile ex- and other dangerous and hostile extraterrestrial species. They are tasked with investigating and neutralizing the threat posed by any of these deadly creatures. They do engage in space operations. They're well-versed in how to deal with them, and they are capable of engaging in combat both in space and on planetary surfaces, we just don't have in universe or at least in movie examples of what their sealed armor might look like. But they don't, they have sealed armor and unsealed armor. They don't have one set. It's not like um, the sealed armor is just sleeves and a helmet that goes over that. Right, right. They okay. definitely have two completely different sets of armor. Okay. And then uh, they, they do, they emphasize their teamwork and their camaraderie so that's a little bit more about the guys next to you and the trust that you put in the members of your team and a little bit less about all of the crazy tech you have on your body yeah so these guys are a little more of like the literal term of space marines right they're in space and they're marines not not they're super technologically advanced individuals that are running around (laughs) (laughs) individuals yeah and there's a lot more emphasis placed on the Tactics weapons technology right. being advanced than the protective technology being advanced. And also it, it kind of sticks to the very grounded in earth tech origins. Like everything there you can clearly see is developed. Yeah. Like you know, a GoPro <laughs> linear back, back to earth <laughs> stuff. I mean, clearly right. we all know yeah. from a, from a looking at it as from a technical standpoint that those are all things that we already had, but you know, from a if you're looking at it as a viewer who didn't know any of that stuff, you clearly can see that none of that was looted from alien technology or anything like that's all that's all stuff that came from Earth. It's a yeah. it's a very linear evolution believe, of gear. I believe in Starship Troopers two, they're using energy based uh, weapons. The uh, uh, 
the hell's the gun called? Kev? Oh, the, they switch you to a different um, the, the Marita. It's a different it Marita. Yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's a Marita, I think but it's, it's actually energy based. Sir, we are talking about Alien franchise. Y- yes, I just wanted to roll it back to Starship Troopers. Which just Alien we'll does be, have energy weapons. We'll be back to yeah, um, yeah. Uh, pulse rifles are technically an energy weapon. Are they? Are they? Aren't they a hybrid? They're like a. They're, uh, so the the M the uh, not the M four is it the M four? It's an M four. Yeah, it's like an M four. The M four. Yeah, the M four combat rifle is a hybrid. So it, it's a pulse it, hybrid, it and like then it charges. has the underslung shotgun. But the right. um, the main pulse thing is it uses gunpowder to accelerate, and then a rail gun to keep it going, kind of thing, right? Yeah, and I I can't remember what the bigger weapons are called. The the weapons the that are on weapon. the gimbals, yeah, those are straight pulse. Oh, are they? Yeah, I believe okay. so. Oh, so these aren't ballistic weapons. They look like it, but they're not. Well, they function like a ballistic weapon, but. He's saying that the the big heavy support machine gun isn't yeah. fire. Yeah. It's not. It's not using a gunpowder to blast it. It's basically just an automatic railgun at that point. Yeah, is that does that have something to do with being in the vacuum? Like, if you shoot a gun out in space, like that, that doesn't happen, right? Because there's no oxygen for the you, primer to lit. Or you get thrown. What happens in space when you fire a weapon is that you get propelled away from the thing that you're shooting. The, as much the as goes, the bullet goes forward. Yeah. So if well, if the not exactly, leaves, but essentially, if the, yeah. If the bullet leaves at six hundred feet per second, you're going backwards away from the bullet at six hundred feet per second. Now, so well, the that, reason that for ex- pulse weapons force is imparted uh, into you. Your mass resistance without, changes the ending effect of yeah, that. With, but with without getting into like end level physics. <laughs> <laughs> Just if you if you have a, if you're holding a baseball in space and you throw a baseball in space, the amount of energy that goes forward, so the baseball's traveling at let's say 30 miles per hour, is the amount of force that's going to be imparted on you and shoot you backwards. And the reason that happens is because you're in vacuum and you're not grounded against anything. There's a little bit more to it because there's different types of resistance and there's different things that can happen. And there's a lot rotation of rotation versus heavier, linear force. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of heavier math that goes into it, but like the basic concept is is that both force both objects move away from each other at roughly the same rate or roughly so, the same energy consumption is a better way so, to put it. So my armchair yeah, physics and, and chemistry I've I've heard, I read somewhere yeah that a ballistic weapon can't fire in space because there's no oxygen to activate the primer to, you'd get off a shot or two before the oxygen trapped within the weapons mechanism would would cease to function. Yes. Yeah. You could get still off get essentially off. the first shot guaranteed, yeah. but after that it would probably seize up. And in a vacuum, the lubrication of a like a ballistic firearm would yeah. absolutely not function properly. So you would need some sort of like chemically assisted rail option. Either that or like it would have to be system like, with a, like a closed gas operated system. Yeah, yeah. which and it that's would actually, have to recycle gases into a into an yeah. EVA thruster to counteract and everything. Like it would be dope. The engineering behind it would be fantastic to discuss. We're not going to get into it because it's not really a good example, but the chem rail in Elysian yeah. with Matt Damon, that's the reason that weapon exists. So in that case, it's a closed gas system that fires a projectile that then hits a rail accelerator and it uses a chemical, uh, it uses a, a negative, negative vacuum temperature, something chemical. I, I can't, I, I, 
oh, it, into it, it. It's like an absolute zero. It's an absolute zero weapon, essentially. Okay. Yeah. So cool. it's flinging the projectile forward through the rail with it, a, a like zero Kelvin game system. It's essentially removing any resistance encountered in the rail itself. And, and its immediate extraction by focus by changing the temperature. I, I remember I remember watching a science video that explained why in certain science fictions like railguns have muzzle flashes and it's there's certain particle ionizations and if you can use magnetic yeah, fields and, and changing temperature, it's the it's the coolant actually that and what it does is it pulls all the magnetos to basically extend the magnetic field out of the barrel and can focus it better. Huh. It's, yeah, it's, that, that's some why crazy that weapon. Stuff. That's why when you watch that movie, that weapon has that like you Very see the bolt go out, sequence. <laughs> and then there's that like spiral that follows it. Yeah, it's it's I, they, it's interesting when movies put that much like thought into the way that their fun space weapons look. Because like it's, at the end of the day, it didn't I, matter. You, you could you could have it shoot out little My Little Ponies, and as long as the action sequence was good, I'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So next up, we have. Master Chief from Halo, the popular video game series created by Bungie centers around the battles between the human UNSC forces and the alien covenant. The main protagonist, Master Chief, is a genetically enhanced super soldier known as a Spartan, and effectively, Spartans are a type of space marine. Though not only are Spartans super soldiers, they're highly skilled and genetically enhanced and they were created as either part of the Spartan 2 or Spartan 3 programs. They undergo rigorous training, augmentation, and the use of advanced powered exoskeletons called the Mjolnir armor. That's I always love trying to pronounce Mjolnir. It always gets me. It for always a second. it gets me too. The most famous is Master Chief, known uh, also known as John One Seventeen. He serves as the protagonist in the main Halo games and is regarded as the savior of humanity, leading the fight against the various alien factions, especially the. Theocratic Covenant and the Parasitic Flood. The USNC military is the United Nations Space Command, and they are basically like who takes care of most of the humans. Actually, in uh, the game Reach, where you also play Spartans, you just play different Spartans, you are dispatched as UNSC military personnel to deal with separatists. Um, yeah, that's what's actually going on. That's yeah, why that's, Spartans that's were background. being created originally. Yep. Yeah, yep. was to deal with the separatists because they're they were starting to get out of hand and they didn't want to go like full scale war, you know, civil war on themselves. They they didn't so, want to use the big things to blow up everything. <laughs> so th so they wanted a special ops team to go deal with it. So they were coming up with a crazy special ops team. And also, and, um, you know, not to diminish the the regular UNSC troopers are also called Marines. Yes, the ODST. Are well, oh, th that's even a separate layer. That's, UNSC yeah. Marines, the UNSC, the regular guys, oh, yeah. like the, just UNSC. The, the regular troops are called Marines as well because they're deployed as an asset of the Navy. Yeah, and the UNSC Marines are a lot like the Alien franchise Marines. Yes. Oh, they are so closely, you know, like blood yeah. cousins. Like it's ridiculous. And then ODST is like the level between that and a Spartan. Right there, they don't get the. Uh, genetic like modifications the they don't get yeah. the metal plated bones that's one thing that people underrate about master chief is he's like wolverine 
He's got metal plated bones. Oh, and Master Chief is probably well the Spartans. I shouldn't say right. Master Chief, but the Spartans are probably the closest to a Warhammer a star base. Yeah. yeah, and the only thing uh, he's 100%. really lacking is redundant organs. Other than that, he's basically got everything else. Yeah, I, and I, I would even, wager he's better in some aspects. Yeah, even down to like the discipline and all of the like unwavering loyalty like there isn't a question he yeah. does well he does eventually I but mean, by but, design they're not spartans are not supposed to question the orders or the command structure they work in right they just get the job done and that's and it's for almost a very same similar reason their their lore like as far as the upbringing of john is very similar to astartes like it's it's a much tamer you know less grim dark version but even it like it comes down to you I mean, you might you, my friend, need to listen to I Love Bees if you think that I've it is the, tame. <laughs> it's it's more tame than Warhammer. It's pretty fun. Well, I guess I, uh, I guess you're right. As far as the Spartan creation goes, it's more tame. Like, However, the way that the universe, the way that the Bungie verse makes oh, AI absolutely is not tame. Is fucking so, horrifying. <laughs> but but the the way they pick him over some of the other kids is they're literally having them play like hardcore like king of the hill like he's like picking kids up and throwing them off the jungle gym like and they're like breaking their arm and shit when they hit the ground and and the the doctor that's in charge of picking the kid is like i want that one it's very very ender's game it is it is yeah i forgot ender's game is also yeah yeah the whole reason they pick ender is because ender fucking almost because kills that bully the, yeah because he he went to the point where he where the enemy would not come and fight back again yeah yeah Hit the enemy so or, hard they don't ever want to fight you afterwards for three six or nine dollars you can see master cheeks up on screen <laughs> master <laughs> cheeks <laughs> love it Big yeah, John. I, I would definitely say that master chief is probably the closest to a um a space marine yeah. I, I know that i know that that's like a really big trope or it used to be a really big trope i think it's still a really big thing where people are always like who would win in a fight space marines or stormtroopers and like they get down to the like who would win space marines and and master chief and like i have to say space marines would win but I would also have to say that Master Chief, out of anyone you could put against a Space would Marine, would give them the, the biggest run for their money. Yeah. Me yeah. and some other people came up with a very agreeable decision. Master Chief beats unnamed Astartes. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> battle, I was going to say, I don't know how you do against the zero, captain. Zero, two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Space Mar- against a Space Marine with just the stats of just regular Space Marine, not, not a captain, not a anything else not a watch master, i think yeah. i think master chief could have it because master chief is as fast as a space marine as tactically trained if not maybe better in a way in certain regards than a space marine it based based on how the armor is plated and based on what the armor is rated for because again like remember a star days are were made to fight a specific enemy and right. Master Chief was made to fight a specific enemy. I don't know if Mjolnir armor could take a bolter. He has shields, uh, though. That's true. He does have shields. He has shields. But, that's, see, like, that's, that's where it, it gets crazy. Is he's got like shields. Yeah. So it would be, it would definitely mm. mess up bolters. Also, 
give him something like the LAS cannon. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, the Spartan laser. It's essentially yeah. a LAS cannon. So he can yeah, absolutely durst a space marine with that. Yeah. And they have plasma. It, like he's he's I, no stranger yeah. plasma weapons that you yeah. know, some one of I, random Spartan, you know, Spartan number anything else. But 117 <laughs> also would have a tough time against regular Spartan or against regular Marine. But going with, you know, that's like, that's the jump is well, named that's not Spartan true, beats unnamed Marine, but named Marine, named Astartes beats John. Yeah, I mean, that's not completely true because John isn't considered the best Spartan or the smartest or the fastest. He's just he's the, the best most overall, famous. though. He's the uh, best at everything. All the other ones, I'd say, are more specialized. Right, right, yeah. But, I mean, even I think it's even said in the books that there's other Spartans that are essentially better than him. He was just the best leader. He was the best one to, uh, like, He was also in the right wise. place in the right time. Yeah. Yeah, you that, gotta think of him as, like, a space marine captain, essentially, where, like, right, right. the other and that's why he beats unnamed, you know, unranked marines, just regular battle brothers. He's he's up there. He's a decent level. The other thing that sets him apart is Cortana. That's yeah. the other factor is Cortana would absolutely, absolutely be a game changer. Uh, I don't know. 100%. I, I still I still think I, I think Master Chief could take out one, maybe two Astartes, but I, I don't think he would survive the encounter. Oh no, he would definitely <laughs> against against one. He's probably going to survive against two. He'll kill them both and then probably bleed out afterwards. I, I yeah. think at a one to one ratio, yes. And once you start getting into like the higher rankings of space marines and I'm that sure. have lived for hundreds of years, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that, that are goner, yeah, splattered, I, I, splattered, thunder hammer, paste on the floor, wall, yeah, ceiling everywhere. Because you got to think of his <laughs> weapon limitations also. Like standard Although, issue yeah. weapons are not the same as like covenant weapons that he's using. Now, but if he gets his hand on a space marine weapon. And let's say you put them on even playing field. You give them space marine weapons. I don't know. I think you give them a run for his money. Like, oh, I would have to look in. Absolutely. I would have to look into the lore behind the physics of the suit because I, I, there's part of me that doesn't it's, think um, he if could I'm, fire a space marine balter. He could probably fire so uh, like suit, sisters of battle balter. His well, suit he can rip a fifty cal off and um, yeah. it, it, it locks up using a uh, synthetic crystalline mesh. It's got, he's basically got Xeno weave under layer. Yeah. yeah that, and that, doesn't that's it another... also cushion? Uh, he has some kind of weird cushion. He has a gel like layer. Shock absorbent. Um, yeah. There's, there's like, I think there's like five layers to the suit. There's obviously the big, the big metal on the outside. And that's made of the same stuff that the battleship armor is made of. So essentially, you know, space Marine grade plate. And then he's got the, uh, there's the, the environmental ceiling suit. And then under that is the, and that's the one, or I believe that's the one that's got the crystalline layers in it that harden when it gets hit. And that also locks up to absorb recoil. So that's why yeah, Master Chief can fire everything. Can a space marine survive falling from orbit? Yes. Yes. In the same, in the same way that... Uh, a space marine can, can survive falling from orbit naturally in the same way that John 117 can survive falling from orbit because plot armor was needed for that video game to work. <laughs> he didn't fall from orbit. He ejected in low atmosphere and surfed a door to the ground. Listen, he also no. threw a nuke at a covenant ship, okay? So <laughs> No, didn't his suit didn't his suit lock up and he fell from orbit? Is that what it was? It he is didn't very fall from orbit though. That's the thing is uh it was it was um like the a covenant halo. 
it was the covenant Wachimajiggy warped back to earth after yeah, that, that's after a, high charity in the second and game, then it's all it's, of that takes place in like 10 it's, seconds it, it's like a 10 second cinematic it's yeah. it's like it's like atmosphere scraping level they're they're in space but well, they're no, not you're talking in about like high orbit you're talking about the jumping uh he the jumping from orbit isn't he doesn't land from dropping that bomb on the the covenant that way. He throws the bomb. He doesn't drop the bomb. He throws it. He he and then he gets on and he ends up on another ship. From That's right. That. He ends up he anyway. cra- he lands on the human <laughs> yeah, ship yeah. and ends up it's boarding semantics, that human ship. Semantics. The the yeah. him falling from quote unquote orbit was it's yeah. actually the ship was almost ready to crash into the ground when he jumped out of it. Listen, we're not there yet, but, the, but sure. the one the one hero that gets absolutely wrecked falling from orbit is is Commander Shepard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I guess my point was is that he can he he can break the atmosphere and land on a planet and his armor is resilient enough to to deal with that. So you would think like if a space marine's armor can deal with that, then his is close to that level. Probably not I'd at, say, at a space marine level, right? I'd say it just it wouldn't would be, make sense. It's kind of the armor. equivalent. His fall would be the equivalent of uh, Grimaldus jumping out of the crashing Thunderhawk carrying the pilot. I I, I think the other thing that mm. happens a lot of times when like you try to apples to apples two different universes together is that the Covenant is a very specific enemy, and yep. a lot of the technology that the unsc has is developed to fight that enemy really well and ripped from them yeah in most cases and and then like because of that there's all of this like like the mjolnir armor has all of this overlapping alien or not alien but all of this overlapping advanced technology that the astartes power armor doesn't but the astartes power armor has a bunch of other stuff it's it's kind of like who would you know when you when you look at two combatants entering to fight against one another in in, in a normal scenario, or this might not be the best analogy, but like, do you want to be lighter and faster or do you want to be heavier and sturdier? And I think that's really what ends up happening is that uh, Master Chief is going to be lighter and more agile. Yep. Right. And the Space Marine is going to be heavier and sturdier. So as long as he's able to make the hits he needs in the right order and well, doesn't it, get Kev? hit back too many times, he'll be fine. But yeah, Space Marines are yeah. a little more robust. Right. Yeah. They, I mean, and that's the point of Space Marines is that they're, yeah. they're excessively robust. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree, though. And I think we all agree that, you know, in a one-to-one, him fighting a battle brother, yeah, I think I think they'll... He could win slash give them a run for their money. Anything past that is like it's starting ah, to reach. I don't. I don't know. There's hundreds of years of experience, like constant battle, like and it's just yeah. redundancy. Like yeah, break it, it. I mean, even and then here's the other part of the coin is now do the do the thought exercise naked, <laughs> without armor, without weapons, pure hand to hand. I think he a space would, would smash the shit lose. out of him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think a space room would smash the shit out of him. And the other thing that you got to realize likely. is that, uh, you know, Warhammer took, take the, take the largest threat, the brute <laughs> in Halo universe. And that's the standard and boy. multiply <laughs> it by 11 and that's like what the Space Marine in 40K is designed to fight. So like right. the, the Warhammer universe is just so over the the top by yeah. design. It's hard to compare. Yeah. Yeah. 
But it's fun, anyways. Up, yeah. What's <laughs> next the next up, thing we could say? Can't fight a space marine. <laughs> right. Start, yeah. The the original mobile infantry of Starship Troopers. The movie portrays a futuristic society where the mobile infantry serves as space marines fighting against insect-like aliens. It explores themes of militarism, fascism, and the consequences of war. Probably one of the least armored examples we've covered up to this point, but the mobile infantry does have a lot of weapons that do feel very, very Space Marine-y. Also important to note that in the continuum, because there is not just the first movie, there's actually several movies, and there's an anime series. The anime series they do have. <laughs> they do have powered armor suits. Dude, that the the anime series like artwork for the powered armor suits is badass. Oh yeah, it's super cool. It looks super cool. It's very it's very like BattleTech slash Tau, but it looks super cool. Oh, it's so BattleTech. Uh, I hope we yeah, get the to mobile, BattleTech at some point on this list. <laughs> not because that's technically giant robots. So didn't they have uh oh no, what they, was the the other one? The the motorcycle guys. Uh, the motorcycle guys. Did Google it really quick. Motorcycle Macross BattleTech, whatever whatever keywords you think fit best. Are you but thinking like Exo? Uh, not 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 Exo. Is it Exo Armor? Is that what it was? Or Exo Force or something? But Exo Force. That was is that it. what it is? They're, yeah. they're they're using um they're using all that. It's same same universe. It's it's all Centrati. Yeah, tech, it's all whatnot, vaguely Centrati. Yeah, but it's just like it's a motorcycle that turns into their mech suit kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, yep, I think that's Exo Force. I I don't I remember think the that's name Exo of it. Force. We should we should totally do like all right when we talk when we're post <laughs> Tau coverage and we talk about mech suits, we're gonna get into all the like we'll get into the power armored stuff that is mech suits rather that's than more mech suit armor. than than armor. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, these uh these powered armored suits, also known as power suits or steel gorillas, they enhance their physical abilities, allowing them to move swiftly, jump great distances, and withstand heavy enemy attack. In the movie or in the book, they actually all have jump packs. That's very, very big to their armor. So any of the uh, either sequels to the original or in the anime version, they've got the jump packs. Again, the, the anime ver- oh no, not the anime. I was thinking CGI. The CGI version, they have jet packs, but they're really yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the mobile infantry is highly trained and well disciplined, undergoing rigorous training to prepare them for combat against the arachnid threat. Uh, they yeah, are be naked to to get in those uh, steel gorillas too. That's right. The space based observations. That's not how it works in the books, but yeah. Um, <laughs> also in the book, d- d- so Dizzy's a real character in the book. He dies within the first like three pages. I did hear skitties. that. Uh, just I did hear that, that Dizzy yeah, was, was a dude. And Carmen did, didn't exist, right? Carmen exists, but she's not Rico's girlfriend. She's just she's, she's the just girl there. that she's the girl that they went to high school with that everybody had a crush on. Basically, she's just the hot chick. Yeah, yeah, she's just the hot chick. Yeah, In whatever. fact, the book talks about how uh, Rico's mom liked Carmen a lot and wanted Rico to like dare like date and marry Carmen so much so that she let Carmen come over and like use their pool whenever she wanted to. And Carmen would bring other boys to Rico's house. Thanks mom. <laughs> to mom, swim in the pool. Mom cucked Rico. Dude, yeah, so, some of the Fuck. things in the book are just, it's very, very different. It's very Carmen, different. Carmen betrayer in the book also. Jesus, oh, man. you can't escape it. Right. The the mobile infantry is equipped to engage in combat both planet on planetary surface and in space. This is also part of the movie. You just never see them fight in space. 
They operate from enormous spacecraft called dropships, which deploy them onto an enemy-controlled planet. Those are in the in the uh, movie, though. The arachnid threat. The mobile infantry is deployed against the arachnids primarily, and these are aggressive and deadly space bugs. Which, um, if you need to an allegory to tyranids, is right there. Propaganda and an ideology. The movie explores the themes of militarization and the glorification of war and combat, and it uses a heavily propagandized style, which I would definitely say was uh, another thing that is very well shared with Space Marines and 40K. Oh, yeah. And then also, Interstellar War. Obviously, there's an mm-hmm. interstellar conflict happening. Yeah, and sat- I, that good point, Marky. Satire of fascism is definitely something in both of them. I would say that Tyranids are a hundred times worse than Arachnids. Oh, 100%. Not, not, maybe even more than that. Maybe a, a million yes. times worse. Yes, Tyranids okay, so, are by far worse than Arachnids. So an, yeah. an Arachnid versus a Hormagont. A Hormagont's going to win? <laughs> Uh, I think as a whole, as a species, yeah, as a okay. species, okay. as a okay. species, you can't really neat since neither of them are a one-to-one kind of. Yeah. Fighter. I, I think, I think the way that an arachnid, I think, I think the level of tyranid threat that an arachnid falls apart at is carnifex. However, right. with what you just said, because hormigons and termagons don't fight as a single unit, I don't think an arachnid unit, because arachnid units, they're bigger and they're yeah. slower and they kind of move in smaller groups. I don't think they would survive a, a land piranhas. Yeah, I would, <laughs> no, put, no, I would put like hormigons, termagons at like the roach level. I'd put warriors at the arachnid level. I'd put carnifexes at like the tanker slash... Uh, yeah, artillery bug level, right? Okay. okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of kind of about the right stacking. And then just but, never, but never deploy rippers. But a tyranid <laughs> warrior absolutely beats an arachnid warrior yeah. in a one v one. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I I even think like especially thinking about the way that the hive mind works versus the way that the arachnids work. Like if the hive, okay, so the tyranids roll up on Clandathu, right? And the hive mind is like, this is interesting. This is very similar to us. You're like, mm, is this oh. a mirror? <laughs> I need, they're getting eaten. I need all of this bio uh, mass. However, this is not going to be a hard fight. I'm just going to drop two million rippers. <laughs> to just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> just lets the rippers eat just all eat of the everything bugs. alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Actually, I've witnessed something like that happen in real life. I was oh, uh, I was a very young lad, and I had an ant farm with the pretty good size, you know, the, like the red ants that they send you when you buy one of the classic, you know, flat ant like, farms like that looks watch like a, ants yeah. tear apart a cockroach or something. No, I watched my ant colony get invaded by a species of smaller ants. Oh yeah! Oh, oh. oh so there's there's a they, so there the the indigenous ants in my in the area where I grew up were small enough to fit through the air holes in my ant farm, and they straight invaded. And there was like three or four black ants on each one of my red ants, and there was nothing the red ants could do about it because they can't. They're not flexible enough to pull them off. So the largest hive mind that we it was know like the of, ants movie. It was. You guys oh, remember the terrifying. ants movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they were fighting the termites. Yep. Like that's like the Clindathu drop of like my childhood, right? Oh, it totally Before was. The I loved drop. that scene. I was, I was like, I really want this scene to that keep going. That was your planet K. Yeah, that yeah. was my planet, no, planet K. P. Planet there, P. There, was it P? Yeah, I think it's planet no, it's, P. It's, it's K. The, it's the is killing, it planet K? 
yeah, Planet Dassey, P right? is the is where Whiskey Outpost is. But yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That's what that, that that's what first, I was assuming Marky meant was Planet no, P. No, was no, I'm talking about the Clendathy drop oh, where okay, gotcha, everyone yeah. gets wrecked, where everybody dies because <laughs> it's 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 nighttime. It's nighttime. Yeah. It's yep. a it's a inst it's a what you might call it's, it's terrifying like a, too. Like yeah. that's such a well done scene. <laughs> Romance. Yeah, right. right from ants. The okay. better, the better of the two bug movies, by the way. So there, yeah. They're, oh my god! I, All right, I'm so, probably one of the few people who thinks that everybody likes Bugs Life better, but I liked ants. <laughs> here's a really weird piece of of natural history that I know. Losing Stallone was horrible, by the way. Sorry, Brian. Losing what? Stallone. Stallone. How did we lose Stallone? Oh yeah, he was ants. the big guy. He was the big guy. Oh, I forgot that's he right, was the big right. guy who who yeah. wanted to like he was like, oh, wow. stick with me, kid, and you'll stick it. You'll be safe. Oh wait, no. Wow. Was it Stallone or was wow. it uh Oh, I gotta look it up. Uh, it might have been him or uh It's some it's somebody. I I once you said it, I figured out like what you meant. George Foreman right, or something. So, oh, so is, was it is it the, the big largest, black dude from Green Mile? Uh, no. Not Vic Rames. I can't remember who that actor was. Is it Ants um, with a Z? I know it's Ants with an S. Alright. Uh, so here's the thing. I'm, no, I'm I, it's a Z and T Z, I think. Is it? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Well, Marky's looking this up. It is still so one. the largest, the largest hive mind that we know of on planet Earth are is the Argentinian ant, and the Argentinian ant has colonies large enough that like they cover continents. Um, and those are the little black ants that if you know what a little black ant is, you know what an Argentinian ant is. If you're listening to this podcast and you have seen little black ants, you have seen Argentinian ants. They are incredibly endemic they um, and invasive. And there is a line. There is a BBC documentary. I'm not even making this up. There is a line and you can hike to it in yep. Escondido, the California. There is a line in the sand in Escondido, California that you can hike to where there is literally a line of red ants, which are the native population of Southern California and black Argentinian ants fighting. Oh, I'm you, not kidding. The battle there line exists a, like all the, the battle time? line exists all the time. There's a BBC documentary about it. Ants are fucking crazy. <laughs> what? what? Kevin Wait. is fucking dying. <laughs> so there's just an endless battle going on between yeah. uh, red and black ants. Um, yeah. There's actually the black ants are pushing them are pushing the red ants back. They're pushing into the territory. So there's a uh, there's an ant guy on YouTube that I follow, and he had a, a similar thing happening in in his backyard. He had an invasive black ant species and the native red it's ant species. It's probably Argentine. Like any time it happens, it's Argentinian ants. I think but it yeah, was in the, the Philippines, but the um, battle. Oh yeah, it's still Argent. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's still it's Argentinian everywhere. ants. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is still. But, they have spread to the entire. They are the only species of bug that is spread from one place to the entire planet. Okay. And there's literally a colony that they traced starting in Mexico that ends in Maryland. That's gnarly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Argentinian answered. He he rigged it and he dropped food close to the red ant nest to make sure that the red ants had a one up on the on the invasive species. That's pretty (laughs) funny. (laughs) All right, so next up we have Doom, the Doom guy. So the Doom video game franchise is known for pioneering the first 
first-person shooter genre and introducing the Doom Marine, also known as Doom Guy, who, by the way, can, uh, can canonically be a pope. A space marine protagonist who battles demonic forces on Mars and then later in Hell itself. It's a very classic power armor suit, probably another major staple in establishing the iconic look that we've all come to expect. There's a lot of things in the early Doom art that definitely you can see influence the later marks of power armor in 40K. I mean, it, Master Chief basically looks like yeah, Doom Guy. Thing. Exactly. Doom Guy does have exposed points on his standard armor. Uh, so on his I, classic armor, though, his biceps are I think out. there's two different uh, people. There's Doom Guy, and then there's the Doom Marine. There's Doom Marine and Doom Guy. Yeah. 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 Well, that, well, I think Doom Marine is the one with the biceps, because that's you guys are, technically just uh, a mortal man. Uh, you guys other, are, way, other way. You guys are kind of splitting oh, yeah. hairs. <laughs> there, there is no Doom Guy, in air quotes, is a little bit like Mad Max, where Mad Max isn't necessarily the same character. He's just like an allegory for telling similar stories. I think that's, if, if I remember correctly, that's a little bit more how Doom Guy is. Uh, but I think you might be right, Marky, because I think Doom 3, it's just a Marine in Doom armor. I don't think the the player character in Doom 3 is Doom Guy or Doom Marine. It's right. just a Marine. Yeah, Doom 3, you're, you're literally just nameless you're, you're Marine. Just you've, never seen, you've literally yeah. never seen the ship before. I think, yeah. I think you're some kind of, like... Uh, you're you're essentially like a chaos marine in in the latest Doom. I want to say you're like tainted by yeah. You're by, using the infer- by yeah, hell. You can use the hell swords. Yeah, I think that's something. It was along the lines of like killed so many demons that it pleased God to reincarnate him. It was something, or something like, like that. Like that. Yeah. And then because he's reincarnated, or it's like he killed so many demons, he gained eternal life, and because he has eternal life, he can wield the demon sword, kind of thing. Talk about mixing it's, in all of the crazy, like yeah. gothic Catholic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gnarly. It's it's pretty yeah. impressive. The problem is, is I think I always mix up my Doom lore and my Dark Souls lore because they have a lot of similar overlap dark, in, the, in their dark, way. Dark Souls, everyone is you're everyone's dead. I would love. Okay, li- listeners, if you are interested in side quest uh, a series and you want us to cover lore from other. Universes, let us know because I would totally be down for doing. Uh, I don't know maybe, too much. Maybe of the Dark cut, Souls. I just remember. Maybe a cut bit. everything I just said. Maybe we should just do a Dark Souls. Lore oh, I'm video. I'm down to do like down. side side quest podcast. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Demon Slayer armor. Doom guy is legendary and formidable. In a legendary and formidable demon slayer, known for his relentless and merciless approach to battling hordes of demonic creatures. He is considered an unstoppable force. His his strength, resilience, and combat prowess are portrayed as superhuman, although it's not like drugs or bionics that make him a badass. It's like... Just being a badass. It's his anger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, While Doomguy's backstory is varied in different iterations of the game, he's often depicted as a space marine or soldier who becomes the last hope of humanity facing some form of demonic invasion. His iconic armor is green, which obviously has connections to the Halo armor, and it's definitely one of the most recognizable elements of Doom, of the Doom character. Um, green is kind of a classic 
you know, marine color. I think it even stems kind of back to like the Vietnam, yeah. you know, because like oh, yeah, 100%. When, when you think marine, for, unless you you are like a modern person who hasn't like seen like a bunch of that stuff. Yeah, marine is definitely marines and and OD green. Like that's that's a theme. Like that color yeah. always, and his is you know definitely lighter. But that's also an artistic choice, you know, to make him pop in the, yeah. in the red background. He also but, wasn't a a product or a post product of the every game was brown and murky generation. So. Oh man, I'm so glad he <laughs> skipped the sepia tone filter, the, the so, Call of Duty sepia tone edition. Yeah, <laughs> he also has an impressive arsenal of weapons, including the big fucking gun. The BFG. Oh no! Um, it's all about that there, shotgun, though. And the rip and tear, yeah, the rip and tear mentality of the shotgun, shoot, shooting shit, and then ripping and tearing it until it's done. And he also has a chainsaw. He does <laughs> in the he new does. one. He didn't start with that. That's a new thing. Um, and then I it, so to to get back to the canonic, canonically pope, uh, it's obvious that he's Catholic, and he in lore is celibate. Yeah, and, and most of his combat has been against demons. So Doom Guy can, in fact, be Space Pope. It's fine. <laughs> I dig it. It's a badass Pope. And isn't it one of the most recent ones? He like lives on a space station orbiting the Earth. I, I, I my Doom lore. I have played almost every Doom game, but I do not play Doom for its immersive story <laughs> and lore. I agree. <laughs> it has one though. It does. It does. Well, I, I, most of the lore that I know about the Doom verse comes from the the um, UAC. Okay. The 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 bad guy, the guys that for whatever reason in every iteration of the game open a portal to hell. Yeah, it's it's their version of Umbrella Corp slash yeah. um, Wayland Utani slash yeah. Pick any sci-fi with a pick mega sci-fi bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> I All like right, how so sci-fi bad guys are one of two things. Humans with too much money or aliens or yeah. Or that's, humans, humans with too much money that open a portal to aliens. That's the third one. It's, it's just, that's just the halfway point between the two ideas. It's just that's a right. Venn diagram. Right. <laughs> All right. So next up, speaking of this sepia tone era of video games, we have gears of war. Uh, yes. Sepia tone. Number one. <laughs> Yeah, the the game that like cemented it. This is a third-person shooter video game series featuring the COG, Coalition of Ordered Governments, soldiers, often referred to as Gears, who defend humanity against the Locust Horde and later an enemy name is the Swarm. COGs are the coalition's uh, military organization and the forward protector of humanity against the Locust. The COG gear... It's primarily how you play is you play a gear, which is like any of the heavily armored dudes. They it's represent, their space marine. <laughs> yeah, they represent the standard infantry unit, and they're equipped to deal with various combat situations, a, a lot like everything we've talked about before. Their armor is very distinctive, and it's heavily plated and heavily kind of like overlapped against each other. However, all of the power for the suit comes from the exosuit elements of the suit. There is no bionic enhancement or bio, uh, uh, cybernetic enhancement in these guys. Yeah. They carry a standard weapon called the Lancer Assault Rifle, one of the most iconic weapons used 
in modern video game history, honestly. The Lancer Assault Rifle is equipped with an underslung chainsaw bayonet. It's such an, like a cult fancy, fantastic weapon, too. It hits just the right spot. And also, oh, yeah. like StarCraft, this game, as much as we complained about the sepia tone generation, it changed it everything revel- about gaming. It yeah. came out at the right level of technology for them to implement something as like just impactful on screen as you just mad charging across the screen to cut somebody in and half yeah, with a bayonet with a chainsaw. that's revving like a dirt bike. <laughs> and and the other thing that I'll definitely say about Gears of War is that I it is so it is it is good enough that I have played it recently and not had a problem with it. It it set the tone. It, if there was a game that was okay to be sepia and dirty, it was it was this a, one. Yeah. A Warhammer 40k game or Gears of War. Like and Gears of War has so many war there's a lot of Warhammer it's, 40k in Gears it's of War. It's so clear that these guys also wanted this to be 40k. I mean it's it's not as much as StarCraft where it like, you know, it, it was it, almost there and got denied but it's yeah. very clear that these guys all either played 40k or yeah they, you know, they were definitely used, fans of 40k may, maybe not the game devs but the art director or somebody somebody in there looked at 40k real hard when they were developing yeah. this it's it's a great it's a freaking great it's series a, it's of a, games it's too. a great in everything it is a great series of games but like artistic wise it's always really well done it's not like they did it in a bad way yeah i would say that this had a really strong impact on the space marine game and why it was so successful it did because good no no no, go good good oh yeah because like it hit when the technology was right there and it proved that that formula could work and i'm sure that's the only reason gw greenlit space marine yep it was a good template of how well these games were selling and they sold how many of them like five of them yeah there's like five gears games yeah. and i think there i think there's a split off too i have not played anything past past gears three yeah uh, uh, i fought the swarm or maybe it was four maybe i think gears four. three is when the swarm is introduced it's either i, I played a little bit of it's four. Either three or four it's it's one of the ones that came out on game pass in the last i don't know five years or so um but me and my buddy hopped on there and it was it was a good it still holds up. It still, you know, suffers from it's repeating a game that was developed 15 years ago. I played the fir- I played a chunk of the first one not that long ago, and not only do the graphics surprisingly hold up, but like the gameplay isn't that bad either. One oh, the, and that's the thing is, it's not that the gameplay is bad 15 years old. It's just it hasn't evolved. But however, that yeah. is more a comment on the stagnation of the gaming industry in general. Because all games are kind of like that. (laughs) Gears is probably one of the games that I would say Gears did something. Everybody noticed that Gears was doing something and everybody tried to copy Gears. Exactly. And then the the problem, the folly that Gears fell into is that later Gears titles (laughs) just kept repeating. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like uh, what was it? PUBG was PUBG like the template for uh, that, so that Battle game Royale. Type? So Battle, yeah. Yeah. Battle Royale was a mod for Arma originally, uh, Arma Two, and then okay. and then yeah. um, Player Unknown streamed that. He used to stream that mod, and eventually was like, you know what? Since this is a mod, why don't I just develop there, my own game? And right around a, that time, yeah, there was Fortnite a lot changed. From, as well, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of other stuff going on, but the main concept was 
right at the same time that uh, that mod started streaming and trending, and Player Unknown went to go do his own thing. Um, Fortnite swooped in, revamped their entire game into a battle royale. Yeah, Fortnite oh, was yeah. a zombie. Fortnite was a co-op zombie survival it was a shooter. Play, player versus environment, environment uh, horde zombie wave shooter. And you used to be able to play either version. I don't know either if you can yeah, anymore. And I'm pretty sure they've cut all support for the PVE at this point. Oh, that sucks. But it was actually kind of a fun it, game. And that was actually, a friend of mine had bought that version. He kept trying to talk me into playing it. And by the time I went around to go do it, it was 40 bucks for that version. And the Battle Royale was free. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, and then I played I, the Battle Royale and I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> Uninstall. Yeah. Um, there's, there's usually a game. I, was like I mean, the same Call, experience. Call of Duty did the same thing. You know, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, I think, is the one that like, everything for for a while there everything was a call of duty clone oddly yeah, exactly enough, exactly um, yeah my, my whole point uh, Steven was that like spielberg it, wanted to make a video game a follow-up to saving private ryan called medal of honor and a bunch of stuff was a medal of honor clone for a while anyway yeah. sorry um, it's like ps1 era hey medal of honor was a great game that it was, set, it was that set standards for shooters that call of duty then followed up on improved yeah. on nothing and then repeated until it was like beating a dead horse yep. <laughs> yeah yep. I mean, battlefield did so well yeah exactly yeah speaking of video games continuing <laughs> the video games <laughs> continuing the video game thing so mass effect is the next one this is an action role-playing game series players take on the role of commander shepherd who leads a team of skilled soldiers known as n7 operatives and defending the galaxy from various threats, including the Reapers. Uh, another thing to point out, or an important thing to point out, is that Commander Shepard is the first human that is elevated to the position he's in. In the first game, it's kind of like a trial it's, run. Uh, and they're actually kind of like Inquisitors. They're called... Yes, they are. They're a lot like Inquisitors. They're, they're heretics. They're heretics. Yeah. That's, that's what they are. And you can and you can be either uh, Commander Shepard. Uh, Commander Shepard is referred to as Commander Shepard because you can be male or female. It doesn't matter which. Um, Most people online refer to female Shepard as Fem Shep, <laughs> and people are really, really into it. <laughs> and uh, they they have reactive body armor, but it's a little. It, it is environmentally sealed reactive body armor. They definitely place into a level of Space Marine. However. And I'll specify this. Uh, it's not. It's more like a stealth suit. It's more like a lightweight, easily mobile suit. It's not. It, it's more like built stormtrooper to be a armor. tank. Yeah, it's very much stormtrooper armor. Um, having played through the games and actually paid attention to a lot of the little like tech dialogue and stuff in the background, it's it's just standard issue armor. Like none of their gear is special in any way. They can enhance their own gear though. They if, by being their their special team that they end up on yeah they start modifying the gear but for the most part all the equipment you acquire in game is just stuff off the shelf kind of like yeah it's all and standard like, issue stuff and like the alien species that you serve with are using the same armor you are right and the, it's, the, ma the it's, mass effect all... universe is very much a cooperative universe the galaxy Star Trek is, versus warhammer yes it's very <laughs> coalition -y, and there are just some issues within the coalition rather than everyone hates each other right it's a good universe though it's a well-written universe it has a lot of good good storylines and everything i don't know anything about the new newest one everybody seems to hate that one but 
the first couple were all pretty good, believable yeah. characters, and uh, the the lore's fun. It's oh, a neat universe. The fan favorite. <laughs> Wait, the fan favorite Mass Effect character? Or? You uh, talking Mass, about Mass Effect lady? is good. Mass <laughs> Effect is good, but uh, this next one, this was another one of those. Uh, uh, this yes. game set hit the mark. Like oh, this yeah. was a uh, this this staple. game. This game changed. This game was so stuff. good it got canceled. Yeah, yeah this game changed <laughs> enough stuff in. Yeah, this game changed enough stuff in the video game industry that it got essentially canceled, and it's really it's really sad that it That's that the team hasn't been allowed to continue doing because Titanfall, which is the game we're talking about, definitely changed a lot about first person shooters. So in this in- first person shooter series, you take on the role of a pilot who can call down a para- powerful robotic exoskeleton called a titan effectively turning you into a space marine with advanced Dread combat not. capabilities yeah 100 percent. and this one definitely borders on mech suit or it's yes. not it, this one skips the line to mech suit once you're yeah. in it but the abilities of but the you're pilots a space marine yeah you're a space marine is pretty impressive yeah and the, and the pilot on the ground is another level of like light armored space marine variant you're almost yep. like an assassin like uh it's kind of like an eversore and then you yeah, get yeah. in a mech suit <laughs> yeah and then you can call down a mech suit but yeah they, they definitely this is the one that's like kind of on the edge i decided to include it because there's definitely a lot of stuff as marky said you know you're a space marine and then you get to pilot a dreadnought there's definitely a lot of those feels into it the the one thing that i would say kind of separates it harder from space marines is kind of the same way that it separates master chief from the regular marines in in titanfall there are regular space marines that don't do any of this power suit nonsense they are right there are people around regular dudes running around on the ground and that's what that's what you as the main character are murdering the hell out of is all these regular dudes (laughs) But and then the NPC the, bitches, right? And the the player Oops. characters are the what is known as a pilot, and what makes yes. them they are like psycho indoctrinated, combat stimmed, super trained. They, like, they've got a lot. The pilots have a lot of space marine. The pilots they, they have everything of a space, space marine, marine short of short of the armor. You're like they, yeah, pretty they're much. Like, like I said, it's like an eversore almost. Like it's gnarly. They're their in lore is pretty impressive, you know, doing all this aerial stuff uh, with the with the grappling hook, jetpack things flying all over the place, and then and having like just having the reflexes to do that, like watching a good Titanfall player is impressive. They're yeah. just, just dumb. <laughs> so this next set, kind of, we again, can skip this one. You don't you don't want you don't want to talk about. <laughs> we we can skip this one. What is this? So what is this? Hard pass. It's Destiny, so it's spiritual right. successor to Halo. Uh, Destiny has three different types of of Halo suits. Realistically, like that, that's it. Yeah. Um, well, it's, they've got a light Halo, a ranged Halo, uh, a, a light Mjolnir suit, a ranged Mjolnir suit, and a heavy Mjolnir suit. That's pretty much what Destiny is. It's, it's a light, um, medium, and heavy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, but, sorry to all the fanboys, but I played the first one and it left a bad taste in my mouth and haven't so went back since. I never I played the first played one. I actually played a lot of the second one. The second one's pretty good. I but, played the yeah. second one. The second one plays through really good. I just, I got tired of the business model of, oh, yeah. it's a, <laughs> you beat it's the game. Grandy. Great. Now buy another $40 DLC. Oh, great. You beat that by another $40 DLC. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a grindy loot shooter. 
Uh, there is some interesting lore behind the suits, though, and the way that they work. You're essentially, there's a little bit of a, a dark soulish thing going on. You're essentially a resurrected dead person. Yep, you're a <laughs> you, dead hero reincarnated yeah, to uh to do heroic shit infused into a suit of armor that uh yeah that's that's the thing but yeah. there's definitely a lot of um they tread a line between actual space marines and just kind of like the idea of space marines Pr- primarily the heavy one is probably the closest titan i think something like yeah, that the titan. Titan. Uh, when i used to play that one in destiny 2 i had a really fun loadout since you played it you probably remember it the uh the ammo or the um the armor that loads your magazine for your weapon over time that that still exists and that's in destiny too oh yeah you only yeah, play destiny, 2. I only yeah, play destiny I can't, 2 but i can't uh, remember yeah so i had i had a good a good couple pieces of that and I, and i would run around with the minigun essentially nice. with a consistent refilling minigun so i just never my reload f- <laughs> my favorite weird reload mechanic in any video game ever is the um I can't remember what it's called, but like in Borderlands, Borderlands. You, can, you can get the grenade thing where when you run out of oh, bullets, yeah. you throw your um, gun and it is explodes. It, is, uh, Tor- so is it Tor? One of the manufacturers, the guns are so cheap. Yeah. That, yeah that, and they all do terrible damage. They're all garbage weapons, but the, the perk is that they explode when you throw them. Yeah. And then you get a new, like you and run you out of bullets. And you just pull a new one out. And then you just pull a new one out. It's, it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> I love it. All right, so we're getting kind of out of the range of standard Space Marines, but I'd interesting to bring counts. up. Uh, yeah, the, the exoskeletons of Edge of Tomorrow. So in this film, soldiers fight against an alien invasion, and they wear exoskeleton combat suits. Uh, the combat, the exoskeleton combat suits basically use mechanical means to increase your agility, the amount of weight you can carry, the power that your punches give and the type of weapons you can use they're not environmentally sealed because the they're not designed they were not designed to be used off planet however this is definitely um this makes me think of like proto space marine oh yeah this is definitely well on its way because you can see where this could be sealed like yeah Yeah, i was gonna say this is half a space marine and even then you you switch out his his little black jumpsuit for just like a in uh you know, a thin space suit and put a Earth space helmet suit. on him. He'd not, probably be fine. That's true. Yeah. I'm not talking like, you know, full EVA. Cause obviously that stuff would get strapped to the outside of the suit, the backpack and everything with the thrusters and stuff. But you know, you just need the environmental ceiling to fit underneath and it totally would fit in there. And then you slap yeah. a helmet on there and you slap the EVA pack on the back, maybe add in a couple extra armor plates to, to make sure that he doesn't end up losing his bicep uh, seal or anything yeah. and then uh, he's good to go but it definitely has unification war feels yeah. oh, warrior feels. this is what when i think of like thun- what thunder warriors were fighting against i think of that but like a bulgrin wearing that uh, techno barbarians i also yeah, really like that her, yeah i also really like that uh her sword is a helicopter blade that's really dope but also at the same time doesn't really seem to make sense because I don't think they're all that strong. I mean, it's just cool. It's I, badass, I, li- <laughs> There was literally somebody in that room that was like, you know, it'd be dope if her sword was a helicopter blade. <laughs> right. And that was it. That was the entire conversation. <laughs> I feel like this movie, in the entire concept of this movie was somebody had the suit left over after Elysium and was like, I want to make a movie. <laughs> I, I think... I think this is another case 
of that, like we had mentioned, you had mentioned earlier that like movies have a tendency to come out near each other. I think this is another case where like this and Elysium came out really close to each other. I don't think they were that close. I thought Elysium was like, what, 2009? And this was like, no, Elysium wasn't 2009. It was later than that. But um, I'm pretty sure tomorrow. Elysium came, was 2013. Edge of 2014. Tomorrow was 2014. Yeah, oh wow! Not, it was only a year later. Not, okay, not close enough to to yeah. But uh, this this was definitely uh, exoskeletons. They were in production at hit. the same time, and this was probably I think that was the time the U.S. Army had first like the the social media had first of, teased that the U.S. Yeah. Army had started mucking around with the idea of exos. And and there there had been there had been some video game stuff that had come out with exos too. Exoskeletons are just interesting. Um, oh well. I, I'm Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl, which is a very old game, has exoskeletons right. in it. You're right. They're such a minor, like minuscule part of it, but they totally are. Yeah. Um. And the and the vi- big video game that has power suits and exosuits in it that we haven't talked about is Fallout. Um. Just know that they're there. I wouldn't call the power armor in Fallout Space Marine though. That that's completely different. It's very much ultra exosuity and yeah. and if i to my knowledge uh was used on the moon yeah i, I the, the, there's just getting into fall getting into a surface level of fallout lore is not um easy to do so i i've done a lot of fallout we're acknowledging, lore diving we're acknowledging that fallout has powered suits and yes we may have been able to put them into our list of space marines but they don't hit enough the, of the buttons so the, they were never intended as yeah. a let's go out and conquer other planets thing so they're not really space marines they yeah, they yeah. were the answer to com- combat the red menace <laughs> yeah. speaking of chi- going out and conquering other planets from an economic standpoint. <laughs> yeah. We have the RDA and the film Avatar, the Resource Development Administration, because apparently you couldn't come up with a cooler name, is a mega corporation with access to its own private military made up of at least a few retired Marines. The RDA's security forces structure and use of weapons, vehicles, and walker suits all follow a very rough space vietnam aesthetic if i don't say so myself the marines good that, and they're even called <laughs> marines um in the avatar film i've only seen the first one they are 100 percent space vietnam marines mm-hmm. yep fantastic yeah i wouldn't have it any other way i wouldn't have it any other way they the entire all of their mm, fortunate vehicles, son intensifies uh, yeah right exactly <laughs> like 100 percent Space Vietnam. What if Space Vietnam fought Space Pocahontas? Is uh, Avatar in a nutshell? Right? <laughs> but yeah, they're they're definitely Space Marines. In fact, Jake Sully, who becomes the pilot of the Avatar, the whole point of the movie is a paraplegic Marine. Or he's not Ex-Marine. paraplegic. Uh, he's paralyzed, paralyzed from the waist down. No, paraplegic. Retired Marine. He is paraplegic. No, he, that's that's laid down. His... Quadriplegic oh, okay. is four. But. Thank you. Yeah, so he's a paraplegic Marine. Uh, so there, there's your Marine connection. The the bad guy, Colonel Fuckface. Colonel Bass. Is also, <laughs> is also a retired Marine. Colonel kicks um, the door down and fires his gun while holding his breath in the poison atmosphere. Badass. <laughs> right. Uh, 
They work on a poison planet, so they have to wear rebreather masks whenever they leave. They don't necessarily have to cover, they don't have to be environmentally sealed, but they have to wear a mask over their face. They also have environmentally sealed like walker combat suits. And they're wearing the armor that they need for the job that they have currently. It's very easy to see that the RDA probably has full environmental suits. Oh, absolutely. You you yeah. know, I mean, and this is this is going into wider storytelling, which I mean, we like to to embrace the the wider storytelling concepts as well, which we have. It's been a while since we've done a creative writing podcast, but um, it's very like it's believable. Their name kind of sounds like official kind of government. These are like a security force. They wouldn't be issued like stupid over the top gear. Yeah, they're going to be given exactly what they exactly need. Exactly the what they need for with. the task. They're issued. It's it's very like standard issue. Like fits really well with this concept. And the over the top part is that they are able to uh, transmit their consciousness into clones of the natural native right. species. Like, of that's planet. the only, that's the weird part about the movie. It's not. It is the, very. It's weird. not the Exo Walker suit or anything. Like that's all completely believable. And yeah. then and then you've got this dude beams his consciousness into that blue alien thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's All the right. <laughs> but the as far as the Marines go, they're very much they're they're also kind of like the Halo Marines, where they're given here's your rifle, here's your body armor. Yep. Here, yeah. No environmental ceiling. It's not they're, even they're ODST. Marines, man, they don't need AC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sweat or ammo. It's good for you, even in the poison atmosphere. <laughs> or food. Or food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a or a operative timeline. Uh, eat the wildlife. It's free. Go yeah. sit, go over here and do, go over here and wait until your orders come through. Well, what are our orders and how long are we going to wait? To I go here and wait. Yeah, exactly. Your orders <laughs> is to go here and wait. Yeah. Quickly. <laughs> All right. So the last Marine that I want to bring ah, up, yes. probably honestly my favorite Marine. What, did yeah. you just rip ass? Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, all right no disrespect to miss bobby Dripper. <laughs> so the martian marines from the expanse officially known as the martian congressional republican navy marines are a branch of the martian military that that is a mouthful martian congressional republican navy marines mcrn yep are a branch of the Martian military forces. Mars is a technologically advanced society in the series, and the Martian Marines benefit from cutting-edge equipment, high-quality combat suits, and powerful weaponry. With their focus on space-based operations, the Martian Marines are experts in spacecraft and space combat situations. They excel in zero-gravity environments and are known for their precision and tactical prowess. And I would honestly say... Not only are these some of my favorite Marines that we've talked they're about today, um, they're probably they're probably my favorite. The alien, the colonial Marines are my second favorite. But uh, this is probably the closest to what we might actually ever have for Space Marines. Because honestly, the concept of Space Marines and the concept of like how space warfare is probably going to work. Don't mesh very well, but if there was, it would be these guys. The oh, Martian absolutely. Marines would definitely fit the bill. And that's because the expanse, even from, from the ground up is written as a hard, you know, yeah, very, 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 very hard, hard sci-fi, sci-fi universe. The only, I mean, other than the driving plot thing, the alien proto molecule and the Epstein drive, everything else is a hundred percent scientifically accurate. Yeah. 
Um, it's very that their suits are crazy. Um, they even, they are lightly exo powered, but they're powered by. Um, I almost said residual, and that's not it. Not uh, kinetic. It's um yeah, it's like kinetic fibering. Yeah, it's a kinetic fibering. So basically, it's like any the crisis movement, suit. Yeah, any movement they make. I almost put the crisis suit on here, by the way. But again, the crisis suit really it's is a one-off a space marine because they never there's never intended to be used in space. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah. That so their kinetic movement, their residual movement, all the movement that they make just in their day to day life powers the suit when the suit needs it, uh, which is really cool. Um, Bobby it also takes, has batteries and uh, hydrogen thrusters and all kinds of other stuff too. But Bobby um, takes some pretty punishing hits in it too. Oh, it's uh, more, more so in the books than in the series, but, and uh, part of that can also be explained by in zero G because you get shot away from things after you get hit, like the yep. energy is dispersed, but that's also a good design of the armor. It's designed to gl- the blow f- to glance off and, you know, the user to get knocked around, but it also stiffens up to keep your neck from getting broken or anything like that. Um, the Mark, you, since you haven't actually seen the expanse, one of the fun facts about Martian Marines and for any of our listeners, they train in one G earth gravity, right? Because on Mars, gravity is less, but yeah. they, they always want to be ready to go drop in and kill all of Earth's leadership should they need to. Yeah, there's oh, a really there's a really big. Right, so, so it's the a expanse, huge space opera plot, but the, yeah, the Expanse universe. There's essentially three factions. It's it's space, and there's a really bad way of saying it, but it's space Game of Thrones. There are three factions. Yeah. There's Earth, there's Mars, and there's the Belters, and none of them like each other. Earth at all. ran out of resources. <laughs> essentially yep. and started colonizing the soul like the, the long story short earth colonized everything mars invented um or mars was like hey i'm tired of being exploited invented a new type of engine that allowed them to like just drastically outperform everybody else in a military setting so earth was like fine you can have your independence because they knew they would lose that war in the end yeah um and then but then both are reliant on the Belters and because then, the Belters are exactly, where resources come because, from. Because <laughs> because Mars never they never finished terraforming Mars because they converted all their economic uh, or all their economy into war production to try to gain independence, and then the war never happened. So they're basically like a post-Soviet state in a way. And then Earth like, has all this old tech, but it's not as good as the new tech. But they have shit tons of it and no resources. But they have yeah, all it, the power, like you know, all the administrative power over everything. And so all the resources are being extracted out of the asteroid belt to feed both of these superpowers while the belt yeah. is just trying to like, I just want to be recognized. The expanse. Definitely. If there is a, if there is a sci-fi universe that exists today that I think is like Attainable. not an intentional, not an intentional, but definitely sort of a spiritual predecessor to a, working 40k universe it would be the expanse like the expanse is the 40k universe in the 2100s essentially i mm, kind of the the protomolecule webway i guess that could kind of be a thing yeah well i mean just like assume that the protomonic protomolecule is like a a a one or toss that part out i guess um or it's like the first alien it's the first xeno that we experience but we deal we're able to deal with it in a hundred years and it doesn't end up staying around for whatever reason 
Mars continues to advance the way it does, it becomes oh yeah that the priesthood that I can see. Yeah, I can see what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's also there's several. I well. Oh, and okay. th- actually, this picture is sorry for the viewers, but this is mostly for Marky. Marky, you can see the difference between her armor. Yeah, that's Martian and, armor, and, and then the other Karen three. Armor. Well, th- that's all Martian armor too. They are wearing Martian standard armor. She's got oh, the power yeah, armor. Yeah. Because oh, remember, okay. the the Rossi used to be the whatever, uh, but it was a Martian ship. So this is all the the gear they got out of the Martian gear lockers. Um, that's right. That's so right. that's that's standard like naval security personnel gear. So that's like their standard infantry troops. She's got the power armor. What you can't see is there's a rocket launcher on her back, like built into the backpack. We yeah. can fire homing missiles that she can target pre like she can pre plan destinations. And she has a minigun strapped to her right hand. Oh, yeah, sure. and then they've they've got like um they've got they I, I can't there's a there's part of the kinetic weave makes their punches really bad too. Oh yeah, um, and, and I think they they're knuckles. They have like thermal. Yeah, they have like thermal knuckles or like shock thermal knuckles or something. Knuckles. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's basically strong enough to hold two spaceships that are just kind of like floating in space together, wearing. Oh, armor. Shit. I mean, it, it damages of- the armor afterwards when the thrusters start fighting her. But but yeah. she's essentially strong enough to to do some pretty impressive shit. She, she's that. also kind of a crazy badass like oh, out of the armor she's kind bad of a crazy ass. badass i'm mark you really should give this show a try one of these days yeah you, yeah, yeah yeah the books are also pretty good the books don't the books aren't super flowery flowery language wise the books are a little dry the show though is filmed in such a way that it's just it's so good yeah it's a really good show well, guys, that wraps it up for our meandering coverage of all things Space Marines and popular culture. Obviously, there's some stuff that we left out, and there's some stuff that we didn't think necessarily hit the Space Dead Marine space. moniker. I, 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 almost, I almost put Dead Space in there, too. But again, <sighs> he's, not, he's an engineer. He's not a Marine. And um, yep, there, exactly. is a, there is a combat suit that you can get. But it's not but it's, very good for fighting Necromorphs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It gives you like bullet resistance or something. I don't, I don't remember. It's been a yeah, long. time I absolutely since I love space, how but... there's there's military hardware in Dead Space video games, but using it is not advantageous because the the enemy you're fighting is not a military enemy. Yeah, <laughs> like, although I did it's, make it's the a assault really rifle clever... useful. I did find a way to make the assault rifle useful, and that's because I basically turned it into an auto shoddy. Oh, nice. I, I in the in the later games and in the uh, re-release, it's apparently completely useless. But oh, really? I mean, I'm glad yeah. that they they doubled down on making it so you have to use the mining tools. That's more fun. It's just not. I mean, like you know, if you're gonna if you have to shoot off my arm and then my head, like don't don't use a gun. Space Marines are figures that have become more than just foundational to the majority of modern science fiction. Brace yourselves as our next series is a deep dive into the events of the Horus Heresy. So there'll be a lot more Space Marine conversation coming up. But did we leave out your favorite Space Marines, or do you have a short story, lore, or spooky dookies you want to share with us? Hit us up with e- hit us up by email with under the eye of madness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. Join our community on Discord. Not only there can you talk about the lore, hobby, tactics, and Warhammer 40k, but you can also get involved in other topics like Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, Magic the Gathering, role-playing games, video games, and much more. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Ryan and I are not on TikTok. It's just Ryan <laughs> on TikTok. 
<laughs> or you can find us at www.underthehiveofmadness.com. Spelling and links are in the show notes. Help the podcast grow by liking and reviewing us wherever you get your podcast fix. Our home is here on Spotify, but we are also on Apple, Google, Audible, and many others. Support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash under the hive of madness. All Patreon members get access to video podcasts with minimal editing. So you can see our beautiful faces and hear all of our amazing blunders. There's a, there's not a lot in this episode, but there's a couple. Actually, this All one Patreon went pretty levels. smooth. Oh, I fucked up a couple times. Yeah, well, <laughs> <All> like three. <laughs> All Patreon levels also get access to our quarterly painting contest. Plus, we have perks at higher levels. So go on over and check that out. The Hangnail, home of the endless Sump Mosa. Two shots of Emperor's Wrath tequila with a heavy dose of Death World pineapple. The Hive's best way to chase away a hangover, or maybe make one worse. After fourth shift all week long, four credits gets you endless hot dogs and a pint of arrogant grot ale. Remember, the hangnail is neutral territory for all hive gangs, even those who are carrying badges. Proving overgrown mutant rats aren't the only unwholesome creature let loose across the underhive. We are the lost souls of rebellion. 665.66 UHMR Chemrat Radio, reminding all of you Chemrats, hive mice, and sump ghoulies to keep those dials fixed right here. Same rat frequency for a dose of the same ratty ass attitude something about a sump mosa isn't very appetizing i feel <laughs> hey you know what that means it's just not hot enough in here yet yeah, i don't know if it's the death world pineapple or <laughs> it's the emperor's wrath tequila if it doesn't make you feel the emperor's disapproval when you drink it <laughs> those endless hot dogs uh, makes them taste so much better <laughs> as long as it doesn't both come out at the same time, you're in a good... That's what the Death World pineapple's for, so it looks good coming back up. <laughs> in the city's heart, where nightmares are bred, but where the four-armed emperor's touch, where its embrace leaves only despair and screams echoing in the void of the Stygian abyss. Stygian, nice touch. <laughs> read a book. <laughs> <laughs> 